With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Underdog Podcast from SB Nation and Underdog Dynasty. All right, football fans, welcome back to the Underdog Podcast where we talk G5 football and only G5 football for Underdog Dynasty. And football season is here, people, and we are back with another episode of Joe Talk. And that's me, Joe Serpico, and on the other line is Joe Burback. What's up, man? Not much. How are you? It's good. Uh, like we were kind of just saying before, it's it's fall weather here in Baltimore the past couple of days it's supposed to be hot soon but we we're here we're here we made it we made it football is here so we finally can stop all the hoopla about what we expect and we can actually talk real games there we go but of course it's only fitting that the season starts off with the first AAC game being those national champions now recognized as well national champions that'll be UCF Going into UConn, tough test. Yeah, I know, right? A really hard, hard way to defend that title is coming out and getting UConn to start the season. Uh, could so, be, go ahead. Could be easier. Touche. They could have ECU, or they could have some of these other teams that we're going to talk about a little bit that some of these conference guys are playing. But back to the game. It's seven seven o'clock start on ESPNU. UCF, a 23-point favorite, which really shouldn't be shocking considering how bad UConn's offense was last year and how good UCF's offense was. Uh, but a lot of turnover, at least a, for sure, at uh, head coach for the Knights. Uh, we kind of had this talk with Chris Vanini the last episode we did. Well, I did. Not so much you, Joe, but we won't even get into all that. But we actually just kind of talked about so what's it going to take for the for the Knights to – sneak in to that college football playoff and is it really the only way they can I realistically think they can do so is they have to run the table again obviously and even then we don't even know if it's going to happen what's going to happen if they lose to UConn <laughs> then uh, then they're going to take that national championship away <laughs> what what are UCF fans going to do with that it's not going to happen but what can you imagine no like uh, yeah, it won't happen. But that's the first thing I thought of is just <laughs> you have you're riding this high as a UCF fan, which they've been riding high in some probably more than they should be, and then they go into the first game and lose to UConn. That would just be uh that would it would be bad overall. It really need be bad for college football. Uh, yeah, it would after, it would not be after good. The, after the offseason that you basically just described, that would be terrible. Because they really have plugged it into people's heads that they, they are the national champions. Well, I probably just lost a bunch of listeners. I think the UCF listeners probably just 
turned off the podcast now, so I don't know if you want to edit that out. <laughs> no, you're not making a lot of friends in Florida this, these these times right now, that's for sure. That's all right. Yeah, we'll talk. We'll talk a little bit about more about the other Florida team. Uh, one of the more interesting games, I think, for the for the conference coming in will be also be on Thursday night. It's at 8 p.m. start, and it's Wake Forest taking on Tulane. I know we have talked a lot about Tulane this summer. A lot of people see them as a sleeper team. I think this, honestly, is like the perfect test for them to start the season so we really can gauge, are they really going to be a sleeper team, or is it just you know just some hype basically behind uh, the coaching staff? Agreed, yeah. I think that, yeah, like we said, we've been – We've been talking about them all year. It sounds like at AAC Media Days that people are picking them to be a team to be worried about, and I don't know if there's anybody that's doubting them this year. I think everybody kind of has that belief that they're going to make a bowl game this season. But, yeah, like you said, this is – well, you don't think so? No, I think the schedule doesn't play in their favor whatsoever, actually. Oh, yeah, that's true. I, that's I could, true. I see, so I've, I've talked about this a little bit, but I see five wins, and that's kind of being generous because they're out of conference schedule. I mean, Wake Forest being one of them, but they got Ohio State on, uh, coming up too. And then the way their, their in-conference schedule even shakes out, I mean, they play most of the big dogs on the road. So I, I know everybody is expecting them to be. Bull- I just I don't see it looking at the schedule. I honestly think five wins is where they get to, and they. I mean, obviously they're just missing out. Yeah, I could see five. I could see six. I, I know mean, you're higher. I mean, it depends. You know, I, and again, it comes back. We can. I will really find out in this first game just how much improvement there really is, and if they're going to really make that next step. But I'm just right. looking at the schedule and things of that nature, you know, from what we have seen, because we haven't seen anything this year, so basically, I guess, mostly on last year, that five wins as the most I can see. Hopefully, they're, I mean, don't get me wrong. I hope I am wrong. But as I was doing you know, some research, that, that's what I came across with Tulane. I, I honestly think they will go at best five wins. Well, we know that the, we know the offense is going to do what it's going to do. Jonathan Manx is going to be fun to watch, but I feel like this could be the summary of every team in the AAC is what what is the defense going to do? Because no. we know the offense is going to do whatever it needs to do to win, but can the defense do the same thing? Like you said, we can literally say that about every single team, literally all of them. I think you could say that about college football in general now, though. Who plays defense? Look at the Big 12. Yeah, Alabama doesn't play any defense. Well, that, they have nothing but NFL guys on our team. That doesn't count. Yeah, Georgia sucks, too. Clemson's not very good. They don't play defense. <laughs> well, Ohio State plays it. some pretty good defense legally. Whoa. Mm, mm, I like it. Nice burn. But let's not harp on that situation too much. i got to talk about that a little bit later tonight. And I'm not looking forward to it. Well, let's go through Saturday, which is the usual day for college football. Got a full slate, but it is not really much of a competitive one, to say the least. Uh, the first game would be, I well, first game for me, will be Villanova will be at Temple. That game's at noon, and you can see it on ESPN News, another edition of the Philadelphia Mayor's Cup. And one thing that really like stuck out to me when I was thinking about uh, 
this game is last, well, last year's game really was. I think most people around the country can make the argument that they thought Temple would just use this game as a practice game, and it was a lot tighter than they thought being in a 16-13 game. Well, I think I I thought that they would struggle a little bit because they had so much turnover last year, and you and I had talked about how there were so many new positions that needed to be for not new positions that needed to be filled. So it wasn't a surprise to me that they struggled, but then they just kept struggling, and then they only won by three, which that was at a time when Sean Chandler and Delvin Randall were making it seemingly every tackle for the defense, and the offense couldn't get going with uh, who's who was that kid? Logan Marchie. Yep. So I'm hoping that I mean Villanova is not a bad team either in the FCS. No, not at all. Okay. Not at all. Which I know a lot of people have that stereotype of, oh, they're an FCS team, they must not be good. But Villanova is not one of those teams. Oh, there's quite a few of those teams. I, I mean, we've we've seen plenty of FCS teams. Look at look at what was it? Uh, Prairie View the other night. We're not. I'm not trying to say that Rice is any good, but they they led most of that game. They should have won that game. And they should have won that game. I'm 100% with you. They definitely should have won that game. They had a they had a bad snap on a punt that led to a safety, and then Rice got the took the ensuing kickoff and got the field goal off of that. Stupid. Yeah, definitely got lucky. But they're they're not complaining down there at Rice, but they will be complaining after this game this weekend because it'll be the uh, the Houston rivalry there. Houston will be playing at Rice. That's another game at noon on CBS Sports Network. Minus 25. After that performance I saw the other day, Houston seems like a good bet there. Here's the thing. We know Houston made a lot of noise in the offseason, which I was very surprised about. I didn't expect Major Appoy to get... He brought in a bunch of grad, grad transfers to fill positions that were positions of need. And then, obviously, he made the hire of Kendall Bryles. So they've been in the news quite a bit. Now, I don't think that Rice is in the same conversation as Houston, so minus 25 seems like a good number. But my – I don't know if it's a concern – with Houston is just because they have that talent doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to produce. We saw that with Kyle Allen last year. Now you could make an argument for Allen not being put in a good position, but whatever you saw things that didn't work. Now, hopefully they brought in a bunch of guys in. I think it was like seven transfers. Hopefully more numbers mean that more of those guys produce, but you never know. So I'm very interested to see how this team does. I mean, last year's team, which talent-wise didn't seem like they had the best team, but they beat Rice 38-3. to So I'm expecting something similar to that, if not better. Yeah, I think this will be a good game to see how well Derek King has progressed over the summer as well. So, yeah, that'll uh, be. He's I. He has a good shot at win, winning the uh, conference player of the year. I would think too. I think if it comes down to it, it's between him and your number one pick in fantasy, Milton. Well, and all the pressures on Milton. So it's the same thing with UCF. All the pressures on them. So it's a matter of 
can he handle that pressure? Which I guess it's it's not as more, as difficult with a player, I would think, when you start putting a bunch of players together for a team. That's when they struggle. But I think another thing with players of the year, it seems to be kind of it's like it's like MVP in the NBA. It's kind of just whoever's the most popular that's having a great season. True. Totally. It may not necessarily it, it may not necessarily be the best player, but it's going to be a player that's still having a great season. No, if it was the best player, it'd be LeBron every year. Amen. And it should be. Let's not get too off the beaten path here. Uh, we'll quickly touch on this game here. It's uh, North Carolina A and T taking on ECU at 6 p.m. on ESPN3. Couldn't find a line for it because I would seriously consider taking North Carolina A&T. We, actually, I think I am on the record of saying that I think ECU, this is their one shot at a win this year. After this, they get this win, and that's it. I've said I'm I'm sticking by it. How are you going to feel if Temple loses to Villanova and ECU beats North Carolina A&T? I guess we'll find out next week. I haven't thought about that yet. How about that trash talk on Twitter? Did you like that? Which one? Did I miss it? Uh, Trayvon Brown's tweet. Oh, yeah. Like, <laughs> if that's any team that should be talking Well, what did I say back to you? If there's any week for them to talk trash, I guess it's this week, right? Right, yeah. There's no other time that he's going to be able to do so. Granted, that kid's pretty good. Like, he is good. Probably could see him being looked at by by scouts at the next level, and he's definitely going to lead that offense in probably all, in all purpose yards, really. So, but again, yeah, it's going to be another down. I, I will be very surprised if they go any more than two wins. So I'm on the record we're... saying one, but if they get to two, like there, there's no more than that. Okay, so then the, your next prediction is is Scotty Montgomery gone? Oh yeah. This season? Oh yeah. Yeah 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 yeah. yeah. I have already said that, too. I forget when their bye week is because I don't have the schedule written in front of me, but I, I'm pretty sure that, like, I, the way that their schedule plays out, too, they did themselves no favors other than A&T here. But, I mean, that's a historic – that's, again, they might be – they might not be a Division One school, but that's historically a pretty solid football program there. Right. And, so granted, back in the day, so was ECU as a, as a program – at the double uh, A level, so yeah. So ECU schedule, so they play North Carolina A and T, then they play North Carolina yep, at, at Virginia Tech, mm-hmm. at USF, Old Dominion at home, at Temple, Houston at home, UCF at home, Memphis at home. Yeah, I mean, you heard <laughs> so, yeah. that's pretty. That's a pretty daunting schedule. I wouldn't. I couldn't for anybody. If you were, yeah, if, that could be Alabama's schedule, and that's you know what I mean. Like, that's no cakewalk for anybody. Yeah, that's and then tough. we're talking. I'm talking about an ECU team that's coming off second worst team last year. Uh, yeah, them or UTEP. I mean, which whatever argument you want to make, those two teams being the two worst teams in the country. Yeah. And now they got this crazy schedule. Yeah, I, th- I think I think Montgomery's days are definitely numbered. Definitely numbered. The other 6 p.m. game is again. It's not much of a. Uh, not a game I'll be watching this weekend. Let's just put it that way. Uh, Elon traveling to USF that you can see on ESPN3 if you are a USF fan. I figure that's the only way you really want to watch it. But, again, another game where uh, 
practice game for South Florida. Uh, they got a new quarterback that I guess they'll, they'll be obviously excited to unveil. But again, one of those games where it's just going to be a blowout. So, I mean, it would be nice. Is to it see. though? Is it though? Uh, well, you're just you just want to be that guy. Were they put? They played San Jose State last year. That's very and it true. It wasn't a blowout. And then the next week, who did they play? I'm looking it up to prove my point. Uh, it was a, it was a team that was even worse. Was if I remember right, was it not a, a double? Yeah, it, or that, I'm match. I keep calling Stony Brook, and they were losing, they were losing at halftime. I remember. I do remember us having. A, I was had a wedding at the time, and you were just telling me like, they are losing. I was like, you've got to be kidding me. <laughs> I was like, no way. I'll never forget that conversation. Yeah, yeah it's, you you could be right. We might you know repeat of that, and there is no Quentin Flowers. That that's my point is. Well, there's more than that, but it's not that I don't like USF because when they had Quentin Flowers, I liked watching him. He was fun to watch, and they have talent, and they do have talent back again this year, but you don't have Quentin Flowers, and everybody in that program instantly would say that he was a special player, and you don't just replace a special player like him with a Blake Barnett. Like, Barnett is not going to run like Flowers good now. He might be able to pass better, but you can't just like you can't just lose this talent at quarterback and other positions. And even if you do have potential, which is why when I talked about Houston, yeah, they have they'd have talent too, but I am also hesitant because I haven't seen that talent on the field. And there's a lot of USF fans who just assume that it's a next man up mentality because so and so went to Florida and now is at USF, or so and so went to this Power Five school and is at USF. So they have potential. So we're going to be good just because we have potential. It's not how that works. No, you're 100 percent right. I think the quarterback situation. You know, I was kind of just thinking, to, you know, Quentin Flowers, or excuse me, Charlie Strong basically inherited Quentin Flowers when he took the job. Do you think maybe that Blake Barnett will fit his? Not that he's an offensive coach, but maybe he fits more of what he wants to do offensively than Quentin Flowers did because he's a better passer than he is a runner. Well, then that's the other thing is so they're they're like, oh, we have all this great potential, so we're going to be really good. But then when they watch their offense, the first thing they complain about is the offensive coordinator. I'm like, so you have these guys that you think are going to be stars, but you hate the guy that's putting them in a position to play the game and succeed. How does that add up? <laughs> yeah, well, fans are stupid. Yeah, just just true. just for the lack of a better word, to be honest, stupid. Uh, just to just keep diving through this schedule here, another another game featuring a AAC team and a non or what's the word now FCS. I keep calling. I'm trying to not call them Double A, but FCS. Uh, Real college football fans will understand your reference. Yes, okay, touche. Uh, Central Arkansas versus Tulsa, 7 p.m., another game you can find on ESPN3. Tulsa, actually, this is a game where, in my head, Tulsa's coming off, obviously, a pretty down year. We have no clue. I honestly, I think we can post this, no clue what to expect for this team this year. And historically, Central Arkansas has been a pretty solid program. So this is not gonna. I, I'm not gonna go out and say that that Tulsa's gonna lose this game, but uh, we don't know what to expect from them either. So if it was to happen, I wouldn't be shocked either. 
I, I'm right there with you. I don't think I don't think Tulsa's going to lose. But then again, last year we they're coming off a 10 win season and we're putting them in the middle, maybe towards the top of the conference, and then they win two games. Yep. And yeah, like you said, Central Arkansas is typically a solid FCS team. You know, just it's kind of like the Villanova thing is they're an FCS team, but you can't just write them off just because they have that label. And it's Tulsa who was the worst team in the conference last year. So I think Tulsa would be better. They're, they got the quarterback situation figured out. They have two good running backs again. The O-line will be solid. It really, okay, I, we should just have a sound bite that yeah, just, about to just say, says it comes down to us. defense because the defense was terrible. They were garbage last year. Uh-huh. Dumpster fire, whatever word you want to come up with, it, it was it was pretty bad, pretty bad. Uh, I think by year's end, the conference had what three of the top ten worst defenses. Oh, I thought they had more. I thought they had more than that. Oh, um, you might be right about that. I know it's at least three. Uh, three being the, look- the three being like them, uh, ECU, and UConn. You might be right. There might be one more. I'm looking it up because I want I. I thought there were five or six teams in like the bottom fifteen or something. SMU might be another one in there too, because that defense is pretty terrible too. Anyways, let's let me while you look that up, we'll we'll, we'll go through the next game because again, it's another one of those games where they had they had five in the bottom ten. Five in the bottom ten. They had Me- Memphis was one hundred twenty first, SMU is one twenty second, UConn's one twenty sixth, Tulsa one twenty seventh, and ECU is last. Wait. I guess this just totally blew my mind until now, but Memphis was that low? I guess we just never paid attention to how bad that defense was just because they scored so many points. That's what, yep, that's what happens when you have a good offense. Wow. There's a lot of your, I, your shortcomings on defense get masked by offensive success. I didn't, I didn't realize they were that bad. I mean, I knew they were bad, but geez, I didn't know they were bottom 10. Wow. See, you learn something new even though we're starting a new season. Exactly. But hey, since we're just talking about Memphis, they they get a opening game matchup against Mercer, who I feel like became like the punching bag of college football last year just because Alabama put them on their schedule. Like I feel like Mercer was just like the team that everybody picked on. Well, yeah, Mercer on their schedule. So is, are you saying Memphis is the same same prestige as Alabama because they scheduled Mercer? Well, UCF beat Memphis, so yeah. Oh, there you go. Yeah, I'll put them on the Sweet. Screen. Yeah, simple as that. All right, cool. Now, another game is actually actually the last three games, especially the last one, all of a sudden became intriguing to me after what happened in week zero. But let's start with that Cincinnati taking on UCLA. Uh, the Bearcats are a 16.5-point underdog, which I guess is a pretty solid number because, again, another team that we have no idea what we're going to get heading into this year. We all expect progression. But until we see it actually on the field, we don't know. And it's another year with Hayden Moore at quarterback. And, again, he – I feel first off, I feel like he's been there for about 10 years now. Yeah, but, but seriously. They've been, but they've been uh, 10 years of uh, – he's just Mediocrity. There. Yeah, he's just been there. So I, – I, and then UCLA is obviously – that they're rolling out with a new quarterback, and Chip Kelly is uh, obviously there now as well. So, I mean – this could be a game where Chip Kelly really just 
blow Cincinnati out of the water, or hopefully Cincinnati shows a little something under what's it? We're now year three under Fickle, right? Is it three? Is it two or three? That was two. You might be right. It might be two. Well, yeah, it's. I mean, I'm glad that Chip Kelly's back in college football Amen because that. I think everybody was just waiting for him to come back, and it, now we have it. Hey, some of us didn't mind him in the NFL. <laughs> yeah, he, I mean, he, uh, yeah, he. It, it is what it is. We'll just leave it at that. But he's back. But I mean, UCLA is obviously. They have Chip Kelly for a reason is because they struggled and Mora got fired and they lost to Memphis, which is one of arguably the best games in college football last year, mm-hmm. at least from an entertainment standpoint. And Cincinnati, I mean, they don't have the firepower that Memphis does, so they can't get in a shootout with UCLA, but they have, I think, a defense that could be one of the best in the conference if they put everything together. Whoa, defense in this conference? Well, it's a relative, you know, best in the conference. You know, just take it with a grain of salt. Yeah, it's not saying much, exactly. Maybe this is the year of the defense. Yeah, in all sports. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think any sports plays defense anymore. Could we be honest? Very few guys play defense. In that. Well, okay, quick quick rant about that. So I love in the NBA when they talk about players who play good defense or teams that play good defense, and they're giving up 100 points a game. How do you play good defense if you have 100 points a game? Hey, preach. Rant over. Preach. Rant over. There you go, preach. That's all I, I just say. love that. They're, like, he's, they're so good at defense. I'm like, they just gave up 120 points. The only reason why you're praising them is because they scored 140. Yep. Pop. Again, all sports are changing. All sports are catered to offense. Like I don't want to go too too, but the, these rules in the NFL are crazy, and I feel like it's gonna. We haven't even got. We haven't even talked about that because in college we're probably gonna see even more of them this year than we saw last year. Guys getting you know tossed out of games for targeting and things of that nature. I think we're gonna see even more of that this year. I hope not. Just I mean, I keeps... hope not too. But it, you know, it's it's the. We're almost at a point where football in general is becoming too hand touch. Yeah, and you just—I think you just have to assume. Okay, here's the thing: I'm no legal expert, but if you are playing a game where you hit someone every single play for the most part, you have to assume some risk that you might get hurt. Yeah. Like, there has to be a certain point where you just assume the risk by playing the game that you might get hurt. You can only do so much. I mean, if if you want to make it safe, then obviously you got to get rid of the hitting. That's like the basics. There should be no hitting. If, yeah, yeah, if you don't if you don't want people to get hurt, the easiest way to do that is to not have people hit each other. So when you have like the Vikings just had a play where. Linebacker sacked the quarterback uh, and did. I it was, was a normal. Yes. I thought that it was, was a normal tackle, and he gets fined for it. That's what blew my mind. Like, okay, one thing was the penalty during the game, whatever. But he got actually got fined for it too. I, that blew my mind. That I, believe I mean, that's just oh, it's one rule, but there's just things that it's like. I understand you're trying to make the game safer, and I think that the NFL and college football have, have gotten are probably as safe as maybe they've ever been. 
But at some point, you have to realize that this is a sport where collisions are going to happen, no matter how many rules you put in place. And the NFL, for sure, and technically college football isn't this, but it really is. It's, it's a product that you're selling to fans. So if you have all these rules that are making the game boring, you're losing viewers. So at some point, you just have to say, you know what? We're... We're making these rules in effect, but these ones we're leaving out because we just have to go with it, and you just have to assume that you might get hurt. At, at some point, you just have to accept it's the game of football. Like the way, okay, so I like to think of it as think of it as boxing, right? Those guys know what they signed up for. They know they're going to get their heads bashed in a hundred, two hundred times a match, whatever it is. It's in their contract, also. You know what I mean? It's like one of those things you know you know what's coming. If you play right. football, if you play hockey, same deal. You know that's that potential. You're going to get wrecked into a wall or you're going to get hit, you know. And those guys are, we're talking about guys on ice going even faster most of the time than people on a football field. And those guys are flying in. So it's like one of those things you just, you got to know what you're getting yourself into. UFC, I mean, on and on. Even NASCAR, things of that nature, they, they know what they're getting themselves into. That's well, why the NFL. That's why I think like they're they're almost overdoing it just to protect. Just to be honest, let's say just protect all that research that came up with. Uh, I'm not trying to say like it's a bad thing, but all the research about CTE just basically just protect themselves all of a sudden. But it's yeah, a game, it's, it's, a, it's it's a game that you know that you have the potential to. But I mean, we've seen it. You got the potential to get seriously hit hard enough to. Real physical harm. Well, even like the best example is you look like a Teddy Bridgewater case. Like Teddy didn't even get hurt. He didn't even get hit. Yeah. And he got hurt. hurt. You just have to assume that that could, that can literally happen anytime. Mm-hmm. Yep. And that's not just in that sport, isn't it? It's in all sports. Right. Yep. You, you, know, you get a basketball player who's you know, just taking a jump shot in practice. And next thing you know, he tears his Achilles. And then, yeah, okay, that's sport specific, but. Like you kind of said, it was in practice, and there was nobody near him, and he still happened to him. And you hear about these right. cases all the time. There's people. Yeah. I mean, you see those people that trip over a curb, and they've, you know, anything you do in life, that's potential to happen to you. Anyways, I think we we really went off on a deep end in that one. But but a good conversation to have. I did like that conversation. Um, last two games, this is one that I personally will be kind of watching. And more because like, I have yet to watch a game on stadium, so that's another reason why I want, I want to kind of check it out and see how it looks. And that's uh, SMU with an in-state battle against North Texas. That's at 7:30. SMU, a four and a half point underdog. I know there's a lot of uh, North North Texas is a team that has a lot of hype heading into this year. A lot of people think that they could be a, a contender, not collegiate in the conference there, but I. I actually like SMU this year. I think they have a lot of pieces, and again, broken record, a lot of pieces on offense that they can really work with. It's just whether or not that defense can do anything for them. And I think Sonny, hopefully Sonny Dice can do something to fix it up just a little bit. SMU is the underdog? That surprised me, too. <laughs> that surprised Please. me, too. Yeah, North, Texas, North Texas is going to be a solid team this year. I, I that's, a, that's a team I do like heading in this year as well. I think it's more because it's, Let's be real. North Texas, I mean, be real. North Texas is the favorite of that game. 
or favor, excuse me, the home team in the game. I think that's the real reason why. Yeah, I guess. That's, that's that will be my my logic in that. Hmm. Interesting. And then the last game, a game that I honestly thought would be a, a kind of a an easy game for for Navy. But after watching that Hawaii team the other night, I don't know what to make of them. I honestly how how fun did you watch the game? How I, fun I was that? Bit, I watched bits and pieces. Uh, they were one of those. Honestly, I thought Colorado State would would have a good old time with Hawaii, but I was a hundred percent wrong with that. Hawaii had their had their fun. That new offense. <laughs> I mean, I that new offense. Might might make Navy a little bit worried about handing in this one. Oh, Navy's an eleven point favorite on the road. What? Yeah, that's uh, that might be one of my uh, one of my games that'll be featured later on this week. I mean, Hawaii's offense might be something, guess... might be something to talk. Um, don't get me wrong. Not we're not talking about a team that's going to win ten games all of a sudden, but they're not going to be the pushover that I think we saw in the past couple of years. I mean, I get that Hawaii let Colorado State back into the game, so defense is still a concern, but 11 on the road, too, to Hawaii. It's not like they're just traveling to UCF. They're going all the way across the country. All the way across the country. They weren't an option offense. That's that's obviously the thing that concerns you. You know, Is a Hawaii team ready to stop uh, an option option? Do you think? Do you think that? Well, here I'll say, I'll say it like this. So everybody's pretty high on Malcolm Perry from his four some game. I don't know how many four games where he had like 150 yards rushing. A couple of games he had 200, 250, whatever. Do you think it's kind of like the Tua Tagovailoa hype where he had a small sample size that was really really good, and now everybody's just assuming that? He's going to be great just based on that small sample size? Uh, I think that Navy's offense will be a lot more explosive with him. But we all but he's like 5'8". He that's, can't see. That's what I was going to get to. So, like, the, the good thing about Abby was he was able to make all those rubs up the middle. And that was, I mean, that's his thing. He was more of a downhill guy. You're not going to get that from Perry. Perry is going to be more, you know, take it to the edge, things of that nature. We saw him in an Army game. I mean, they didn't score a whole lot of points, but he, he had a couple of electrifying runs. And even in that game against Virginia, they I mean, both of them actually looked very good in that game. But I, so again, another team with a really rough schedule, really rough schedule. Uh, they travel more than any team but Hawaii this year. The only, the only team that travels more is Hawaii. They've got pretty brutal out-of-conference schedule. Don't don't know if they're better than Army, just because of the switch to, to Perry at quarterback either. On well, their defense was average last year, and they lost a couple key guys, so I don't know. That's that's a good point right there also. So, yeah, I think that you're going to see more big plays. Let's put it that way. You're going to see more big plays out of Navy's offense. But, again, the schedule, you know, well, they do obviously have a backup in the Abbey if something happens there. Another thing that just bothers me, neither one of them can pass the ball at all if they get in a situation where they need to, to make a comeback. No, and we saw, I mean, 
Uh, Perry only threw two passes last year. And one was picked, and, I remember, it or almost picked off. Uh, yeah, and then Abby, like, at least when I was watching, what, they played Memphis last year. It was near Memphis or Houston. And they had to throw the ball, and he literally had no idea what to do. Mm-hmm. That's, he just lofted it up there. Me. So, like, if you get down at all, and granted, sure, Navy does this all the time. You know, this has been, this has been their, I'm out for, what, how many years now? Eternity, basically. But it's just one of those things in this new era of college football where everyone airs it out. I, if you get too far behind, there is no catching up running the, running the ball. Smack, you know, four, four, because that's basically the truth. They're trying to get four yards of play on every play and just keep milking, you know, those first downs and eventually get down there. And obviously they bog down pretty often. Then you got these, you know, encounter with, Hawaii, who looks like now all of a sudden they can score on a couple plays with the offense that they're running. What are the odds that you watch this game? That's eleven o'clock for you start time. Yeah, PM. That's that's probably why I will watch it because it'll be on on a Saturday night at eleven o'clock. I'll be. God, there. that's late. Oh no. Well, maybe for for dads. No, that that's that's late in general. I don't know. See those nice eleven. You know, after you had a nice, successful day betting, you look at those nice 11 o'clock games and go, hmm, how can we really cap this day off? Yeah, how'd, how'd that first bet this season go again for you? That was me betting against Hawaii, and this week I'm going to bet with Hawaii, and I'll probably lose that one too, just because. <laughs> uh, I will have plenty of winners for you guys again this year. So you're 0-1 you're this year. I'm 0-1. Hey. Oof. Those... Actually, no. I'm on one, but I wasn't on the record because it wasn't on the website. Whatever. We all know Twitter never lies. Twitter never lies. That is true. Right? It's out right? there. Is that, it uh, is out there for everyone to see. I guess with a little bit that we have here, uh, we've, we've run through every game. What else would you like to talk about in this conference that's coming up? All right, let's talk about who are you who are you picking to win the divisions and who's your who's your champ? Alright, we can do that. We can do that. I think we, we put this out and I hope I'm not steering off of what I said. But I obviously went UCF on the one side. Uh, my my temple preview will be coming out tomorrow, but I've heard a lot of people saying that maybe Temple's the team to uh sneak up on them. I ain't buying that. I think Logan Marchie was a little bit of a beneficiary of a uh, soft schedule to end the season last year. I do think mean, that, I do think they, you, they they're better off this year. Don't get me wrong, but that schedule. At the you end mean of Frank Newtile? What did I say? Marchie? My bad. Yeah, yeah Mar- Marchie's at uh, East, Frank Juice, baby. Frankie Juice, yeah, yeah. Marchie's now at East Tennessee State, if I remember right. Mm. Yeah, he transferred out. So yeah, excuse me, I meant to say Frank Newtile. But again, beneficiary of a kind of a soft schedule at the end. Even even the win in the Gasparilla Bowl. I mean, Alex McHugh for FIU got hurt, and that was a big game changer there. Big game changer. Don't get me wrong. Maybe maybe that's just me being an op, you know, or what's the word? An Alex mess. Yeah, that's the one about about the Owls this year. I would love to see them make another run at it, but I just, I just don't see it. I think UCF, again, I think UCF is going to repeat. 
there has been a repeat champion. I think this will be the first one in the AAC. And if I remember correctly, I put pretty sure I put Houston on the other side. I know most of us went either Houston or Memphis, so I'm pretty sure I put Houston. Hmm. Which is, I believe, what you put also. I'll pull that article up real quick. But I guess you can go ahead and tell me who you think there. Well, so last year, UCF wasn't really on anybody's radar in terms of being, you know, a, well, maybe a competitor, but not, not a champion. I don't think anybody had them winning the division or winning the conference. So, Or you mean the national champion. <laughs> yeah, right. But... It, <sighs> Obviously, the easy pick is to pick UCF, and when you break it down... See, it was hard for me to do that, too, because I know this conference is every year has had somebody not repeat. And it just feels boring to pick to yes. pick that, you yeah. know, like... I hate to go chalk. Trust me, I hate... I'm, like, one of those people that hates to go chalk, but... And one of the things that I always struggle with is you have this opinion of a certain team. So, in this case, UCF. You have this opinion of... Oh, well, they have Mackenzie Milton back. They have Adrian Killens, Otis Anderson, Dredrick Nelson on offense. Then on defense, you talk, oh, well, their secondary is going to be good. Pat Jasinski is going to be solid up Tristan Hill, whatever. They're going to be, they're going to be good. But then when someone's like, well, make the case against them, that's always harder when you have that opinion of they're going to be good. And someone says, tell me why they're going to be bad. And this year, it's 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 really that coaching staff that is really scaring me. Which is because they which is obvious concern, which should be an obvious concern, I should say. And they, they're going to change something. That's not going to make Milton the same quarterback he was a year ago. Right, and I think the two teams that are going to challenge them, it being Temple and USF, Temple is typically just a solid team. Yes. Now, I know they made it to the championship game, was that two years ago? Yeah, they won it a couple of years ago, yep. Yeah. So, like, they can be good, but, I, you know, it's one of those... But I really thought that, that team a couple of years ago with uh, P.J., Phillip, Walker, whatever whatever you want to call him by the end there, I mean, he at that time, he was the best quarterback in the conference, I felt. Well, Greg Ward, I guess, was probably the more hyped one, but Walker, I felt, like, was severely underrated. Right. So you just have so many unknowns. You have more unknowns, I think, with Temple in terms of talent, but the coaching staff's going to be good, and you know you have some solid guys. And then USF, your, the coaching staff's still there, but you don't know. I mean, their thing is the most important position. Well, and they like they have so many positions that need to be filled with new faces, so you don't know. So I think UCF is the is just the safe pick, and it, like I just I can't make a legitimate case for Temple or USF to beat them at yeah. this point. Again, you know, my my thinking with Temple is again that favorable schedule at the end. Hopefully, you know, Utah builds off that. But I just I, I really because they they lost a lot of other pieces too that I think. They're not talking about. Granted, they, they're keeping a lot too, but they lost a lot of key pieces, especially on in on the uh, the front 
the front line there on both sides of the ball, you can argue, actually. And right. So and, I, and Temple is historically, you know, they, they've had all these these studs in the in the back end. And I think maybe, I mean, don't get me wrong, big uh, Delvin Randall fan, but after that, I'm not sure. Like, I'm really not. Right. And I would probably make the case for Temple before I made a case for USF, not just out of personal preference, but from a logistical standpoint. But, again, you're... You're dealing with UCF, but yeah, I don't know. So I, I have to pick UCF because I, I just can't make a case right now for anybody else. No. But then on the other side. Well, here's, it, here's the, here's the question I wanted to ask you, I guess. Uh, well, actually, I think it's pretty obvious. Which side is stronger right now? I think we're both in agreement and it's the West. In terms of overall? Yes, in terms of overall, east and west. Oh, it's, yeah, it's not even close because you have, you have UConn. Well, you have UConn and ECU on the one side, yeah. Yeah, and the only, the only knock last year was Tulsa on the west. Well, some could argue SMU. Yeah, but SMU, like, at least, SMU was really good offensively. ECU and UConn were terrible on every, in every aspect of the game. True. And even Tulsa, they went two and ten, but they like they still showed signs of life and had some. I mean, they beat they beat Houston forty five to seventeen last year. And they they I mean they have they had some. What a what a like what a shocker that was, right? I you I have no I idea. Remember, I remember when we talked about it. Both of us were just like jaw dropped, like. Wait, Tulsa, Houston. And I was watching the game, and and I knew that if they if Houston got behind, it wasn't going to go well because they didn't have the offense at least at the time because of who's playing quarterback, which it wasn't Kyle Allen, it was Kyle Postma, mm-hmm. but they weren't going to score a ton of points if they had to force themselves to score a ton of points. And then it got to a certain point where I'm like, well, this this is just not going to go well. But yeah, it's the West for sure. It's not even a question. Alright, I guess then you can just continue on who you think is who it is. Well. If I remember right, I know you're, you're a lot bigger on Memphis this year than I am. They have so many returning starters and not, and not even that, they have a lot of depth too. Mm-hmm. Now I know quarterback is a concern. Obviously we know it's, it's Brady White now, but they had, I think they had 18. But here's my thing with them. Mike Norvell is, to me, he's like almost a quarterback whisperer now. So I think he's going to be able to get it done. But, I, again, it's one of those things I just haven't seen it. So well, that's what's talk- holding me back about you know, about picking Memphis. I haven't seen it. Well, another thing that would, would hold you back is knowing now that they were the 10th worst defense in the country last year. Also true. But one thing that you should know is they played, I think it was like 18 freshmen or sophomores last year because of injuries and things that happened. They were super young on defense last year, which is, I think is one of the reasons why I'm high on them is because they have that experience. And now Anthony Miller's gone, which no one's going to replace Anthony Miller, but they have receivers that can they have receivers and tight ends that can replace his production collectively and then they have Daryl Henderson and Patrick Taylor 
as red running back. So I think it's between them and Houston. Obviously, like I said before, Houston's got to get that potential to play well on the field. But I think Houston is a slightly better team. We'll obviously find out, one, as the season goes along, and two, when Houston goes to Memphis this year. But I, I'm i going with Houston right now, but it wouldn't surprise me to see Memphis at top either. All right, so another hypothetical question, I guess. So we named three teams on one side. Who could be that third team on the West? Like, all right, we, we mentioned Tulane earlier, but, I, I mean, I've already just said that I don't think that they are – I don't think their schedule allows for that. Yeah. Unless they're be- if they well, beat- they're, that's the I, I'm beating up on their out of conference schedule, but even their in- yeah, you're right that their in conference schedule doesn't doesn't help them out either. I mean, so, Navy is always a wild card. True. I'm not saying so. One of the teams I put in my over under picks for this year was the Navy under, because again, that's another team with a rough schedule, a lot of travel. We talked about we talked about Perry. Yeah, they might be more explosive, but not able to pass the ball when they need to. So, and yeah, they have the added advantage. They have a 13th game. I still don't think they're going to get the seven wins. Yeah, I just don't see. There's just so many. Like Houston and Memphis both have their issues to fix, but in terms of like top tiered talent. None of those other schools have what Houston and Memphis have. You could just say you know? the same thing about that Navy team that went to uh, the conference championship game a couple years ago, though. Well, and that's why I said Navy's Navy's just a wild card every year. Mm-hmm. They'll never, they're never going to have that talent. Like even Keenan Reynolds was never considered. Oh no! You know, like he's a good triple option player. He's not. It's, you could call him a good college football player, but if you compared him to other quarterbacks, like he's just good at running his offense. Yep. So Navy, Navy's not going to have anybody that you're like, oh, yeah, he could go to blah, blah, blah team or this team or this team, and he would be the unquestioned starter right away. But because of the scheme that they've run, the offense that they've run, they're always going to be a wild card. Now, like you said, though, the schedule's brutal, but because of the offense that they run, it it's always it always gives them a chance. Yep. That's I mean that's the good and bad with Navy. Let's just put it that way. It's a different offense, obviously. Nobody else really runs it, but you never know what you're going to get each the, each week. They might yep. actually run it down your throats, and then the next week they might get stuffed the entire time. And then for, for the opposing side, obviously defenses are not used to, you know, in this day and age where everything is basically run and go and run and shoot, spread offenses, whatever you want to call it, air raid, all these names they have for it now. And then you got this, you know, basically just was smash mouth football that we're not used to seeing anymore. So it makes it kind of fun to watch. That's why I always like watching that Army Navy game because you're never going to see, you're never going to see two offenses like that anymore. Or the fact that there's nothing else on. Touche. So, did they do that again this year? Because there was talk about putting another game that week. No, no, I think it's just Army Navy. Okay. Which is good. 
It would probably be big news if someone else was playing on Army Navy Week. Maybe I was thinking FCS because FCS playoffs start around then, do they not? Maybe that's what I was thinking of. Whatever. Anyways, anything else before we close this bad boy out? No, I got nothing. Which team's going to score the most points this week? ECU. I almost threw up thinking about that. I hope they score 60. Who's going to score the most points? UCF could score 100 on UConn. Houston will probably max score 50 against Rice. USF, okay, I'm not even going to talk about them. Uh, Memphis could, Memphis won't put up probably more than 50. Hmm. I mean, I hate picking UCF for like everything. <laughs> well, you got to. Guy, yeah. I'm surprised you're picking UCF. Yeah, I, I'd probably say UCF until further, you know, I mean, UConn's awful. They were so bad last year. I'm going USF. No. Yeah. Uh, okay, I'm gonna go Memphis then because I don't want to pick UCF. We've got we've got a lot of things to pick against each other this year. A lot of things we're gonna be picking against each other this year. See, now that I say that on the podcast, in P6 pick I'm probably gonna pick UCF to score more points. You're not allowed to now. Already on the record, sir. Memphis is gonna score a hundred points. That would be, I feel like, some kind of college football record. It wouldn't actually be, though. Isn't the record like 212? Yeah, I mean, in this day and age, I feel like that, whatever, past 10 years, I don't feel like any team scored 100 points, unless I'm missing something somewhere. It's a good trivia question. Which we're not good at, because I can't remember half of what happened last year. <laughs> you remember UCF won the national championship. That was the biggest highlight of the year. And that's all we talked about all season long. I'm glad that's over and we can just focus on a new season. Don't worry about that. Can't believe it's here already. Finally here already. I guess at this point, this is where we close it out. Thanks for listening to the Underdog Podcast. Make sure you are following me, Joe Serpigo, at Joe Serp. Joe, tell them where they find you. At Joe Broback. We'll be talking a lot of college football all season long. Can't believe it's already here. And until next time, UCF is going to score the most points.